Ukrainian. We're definitely seeing a drop in gasoline prices. And a lot of people are asking me, hey, can I go to this cheaper, no-name brand of gasoline? The car doctor. Gasoline next to oil are is one of the two most important things you can put into the vehicle. And the quality of the fuel is very, very important if you want longevity. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Someone asked me the question the other day, why are so many cars being recalled? And I said, the tip of the iceberg, the best is yet to come. And um, you're going to see it increase each and every day going forward. Hello and welcome. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor here, 855-560-9900. More information about this show. If you're podcasting, you're not listening live, you want to turn your friends on to this radio show via the net. If you are listening live, you can get them out to cardoctorshow.com. On the left side of the page, they'll find information from places such as tunein.com, an affiliate list. We'll be there. You can get out to iHeartRadio, iHeart.com. Or if you're an iTuner, you can get out to iTunes.com and uh, take this radio show with you wherever it is that you may want to go. Recalls are huge. My gosh, it's everything is being recalled. And just as we were about to go to air today, Hyundai recalls 470,000 U.S. Sonatas to fix engine debris defect. And I was reading this, and I was talking to my engineer, Tom Ray, about it. And I said, Tom... Read, read the recall, and it says, Hyundai's recalling and replacing the engines in nearly half a million Sonata sedans in the U.S. because of a manufacturing defect that could cause them to stall. The recall covers 470,000 vehicles made between December 11, 2009 and April 12, 2012 at the company's Alabama assembly plant equipped with a 2 or 2.4 liter engine. A document published by the new U.S. National Highway Traffic Safety Administration states that metallic debris may remain in the crankshaft area, restricting oil flow engine failure would result in a vehicle stall, increasing the risk of a crash, NHTSA said. And my comment to Tom was, if if we've got restrictive oil in there and the car was made 2009 through 2012, that's four years ago at the the earliest. Uh, How does it take this long to work its way through that it's not there by now? The engine would have seen, I could see if this was, you know, for the first three months of 2015, but we're going back seven years. Tom, you wanted to say something? Yeah, I mean, how many cars, how many engines could have seized by this time? I, I mean, if this is if this is an ongoing problem that it forced a recall, they must have known about this a while back. Well, and, you know, the interesting thing about recalls that, that I always consider is it's always interesting to note how they recall things that are eight years old, 10 years old, 15 years old. Because Ah. the liability is gone. But then they don't have to fix it. And they don't have to fix it. And here's the best part. You know, I think the favorite of an auto manufacturer for a recall is to recall something that is seven years old. That's the sweet spot. Seven years old, the wife takes the car in, the husband's, you know, at work. Hey, honey, I'm here getting the car recalled. Gee, you know, my car's kind of beat up and old. This one's shiny and new. Maybe we'll buy a new car. You know, or maybe it's the other way around. I don't want to be politically incorrect here. Maybe it's the husband and the wife's working, whatever. But you get the point. Um, You know, sometimes I think they drum up recalls 
because they're they're trying to drum up car sales. But uh, be aware, listeners, that recalls are big business right now. The car companies are taking a beating, and you're going to see changes in the way cars are sold and brought to market in this country in the coming years, depending on who gets to be president. And um, I just to throw that in there. I don't make this a political show, Trump. But um, we'll uh, we'll see where that goes. Let's kick the garage doors open this hour. Let's go start with Rob in Fairlawn, New Jersey, ninety nine Mercury Grand Marquis. Robert, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Welcome to you, Ron. The uh, I had a, my guy put a battery in a while ago. Then I'm driving along, maybe a day or two later. And the car starts shaking. All the dashboard lights go on. The car dies. I can't. I won't even won't turn over anymore. He had it towed in. He did something. He says, "Well, you got the. You must have had an alarm in this system and this car somehow. I got no key fob on. I bought the car secondhand. Right. What is this little red flashing light that's uh, near the inspection sticker on the dashboard? That scares me. I don't know what the heck it is. And, I, and that's part of the problem, I believe. Well, what do you? What do you? And am I going to have a problem going forward? Well, like you, you have a red light blinking, Rob. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Um, is it? Does it look like the engine overheat light? Did, no, it's on the dashboard, right, right underneath the inspection right, sticker. Right, right. Oh, that. Oh, that's the. Um, okay, you're talking about the PAT system. That's the anti-theft light. That's supposed to be what blinking. That's normal. That's part of the anti-theft. That's that's uh, passive, passive anti-theft system. PATs. That's what that is. That's supposed to blink and uh, do what it's supposed to do. That's normal. That's part what of the does system. It do that I should be aware of? No, it's nothing you should be aware of. There's actually a way to decipher that. I believe if it stays on solid, it's in a theft mode. If it blinks, it's normal. But that's just telling you that the system is active, and it probably has nothing to do with whatever's going on here. The first place to start with this would be, you know, vital signs. Scan it for codes, check system fuel pressure, watch volume, look at fuel cleanliness, make sure the charging system's doing what it's supposed to do. Was the battery replaced as maintenance, Rob, or was there something else specific that it went in for? Uh, no, it was just uh, uh, maintenance, three, four years old. Right, okay. And what does he, what does he say is the well, cause? He, he believed it had something to do with the, uh, he said you must have had some kind of... Um, uh, alarm system on here. So right away I looked at this blinking light. No, you know, I said maybe that's the problem. I'm wondering if I'm going to have the same thing going forward if my battery needs it, if it goes dead again. No, but that, you're saying that, that I'm blink- not to do, worry about that uh, passive... Uh, right, Pats. That that blinking light is is factory part of the car. That's the factory alarm system. Do you have an owner's manual in the car, Rob? Yeah, but I don't remember seeing anything about okay. that. But if, you, if, you, if you go in and look, it'll, be, it'll either be under PATS, P-A-T-S, or uh, security features, or anti-theft, and you can read up on it, or Google it, and it'll explain what that light means, how that light specifically works for your vehicle. But, you know, going back to the original problem, you know, the battery, the car died, it was towed in. I would be mindful, is there something else going on here? I don't think it's battery-related. But, you know, without going through vital signs and checking out some of the specifics I talked about, it's hard to say. I would be cautious where I would drive that car until you get your sea legs back and you get comfortable with it again. All right, sir. Good luck to you, and I'm here if you need me. Bob in Michigan, how can I help you in your 2003 Cadillac CTS? You know, thanks for taking a call, Ron. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, I've got this uh, 03 CTS Cadillac, it's about 142,000 miles on it. And all of a sudden, I mean, it is literally possessed. Like driving down the road. Uh, well, how it first started out was like passenger warning, passenger door warning, you know, light came on and a little beep, beep, beep. Right. 
and tried to, you know, reset it, you know, wouldn't reset. And the next thing I know is going from the passenger window to the back windows, and now the lights are going on and off. And uh, yeah, I just don't have any idea what it is. What what sort of fault codes are in the system, Bob? Anybody scan this? I, I don't. I don't know. Okay. Uh, here's why. Here's why you want to scan a car. This is a perfect example of a car that needs to be scanned before you go anywhere else. You see any warning lights on on the dashboard other than the passenger door no, and, and the other things? Check. No, not yeah, right. the, the, uh, right. yeah. Everything on the, uh, I guess, the main dash is, you know, nothing's coming on right. at all. And do you know why? I can tell you why, but I want, I want, I want to make you think for a second. Just say, uh, just say, okay, uh, I get it. It's yeah. because of some sort of electrical problem. Well, or, well, and here's some sort of module or something. But here, I don't know. Here's my point: a check engine light only comes on. If the vehicle is exceeding one and a half times the federal emissions level, all right. Okay. So everybody makes the mistake they'll 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 have a problem like this and they won't think to scan it for codes because there's no warning light on. If there's a problem in the body module, or in any of one of the other two dozen computers that run this vehicle, there's yeah. no there's 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 probably not a warning light to turn it on at the dashboard. Yeah, there's one for the ABS and there's one for anti theft and there's one for a few of the others. But if there's a fault. In the body module, which controls windows and lights, are the headlights acting goofy? Mm-hmm. Okay. Then, you know what? Yeah. The body module has no way to communicate to the driver, hey, I've got a problem. So the first, oh. the first place the mechanic or the technician, whatever flavor you prefer to call your guy that's working on the car today, is going to start is doing what we call a system scan. Hook up a scan tool, let it go through all the modules, just like you walked into the emergency room at the, heart, at, at the hospital. Heart, blood blood pressure, heart rate, you know, uh, uh, vital signs, taking your vitals. That's what you need to take, and then you'll have a direction. I'd be willing to bet there's going to be a few communication faults in this vehicle, a couple of U-codes, and maybe some specific ones giving you a direction. But until you do that, there's an awful lot of places to throw the darts at this car without being much more specific than that. Really? Is, where's the module look? I mean, is it well? Are there are modules. All there, over there, the car. Or how many how many phones you have? How many phones you have in your house, Bob? <laughs> Way too many. Okay, guess what? So does the car. <laughs> There's modules all over that car. So really? it's it's not something. And I would I would tell you not to even dream about going near one to touch one to wiggle one to manipulate one because it could uh-huh. be in the wiring harness around the tail lights and the modules up front around the dashboard. You know, the the, the first thing you want to do in a case like this is use the manufacturer's diagnostics, what they gave you. Plug in a scan tool and let it go out and pull, P-O-L-L. Talk to all the modules and say, okay, who's here? It's kind of like when you have everybody over for family dinner. Do you have family dinners, right, where everybody shows up and you take attendance? you got to take attendance. Who's awake? Who's paying attention? Who's complaining? Who's got a fault code? And then you'll have a direction to go because you won't get any other warning on the dashboard for this particular problem. I'll be darned. All right, sir? Okay. You do that, you call um, me back. If you need to email me fault codes during the week, ron at cardoctorshow.com, and uh, I'll be glad to send you some information. Or come on the air again. Let's talk about it on air. I'm sure the listeners are curious to hear how this turns out. I appreciate the call, Bob. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. A kinder, gentler car doctor. Coming back right after this. And 
The car doctor. Thanks, Mr. Ray. I enjoyed hearing that. I told Tom at the beginning of the show I wanted to hear a little bit of um, Top Gun, and uh, I got it. How do you like that? Look at that. She got you jumping off the deck, shoving in the overdrive. There you go. So um, I guess being the guy on the radio, kind of, you get some benefit from this. Um, can I get a ham and Swiss on rye with a little bit of mustard for lunch? Harry, you get that? Yeah. Okay. Oh. Just just check and see if you guys are going to give me lunch today, too. Figure as long as I'm on a roll, I'm getting what I want. Let's get over. Oh, you want that on a roll too? Um, yeah, can I have that on a roll? Can I have bread with you that? You want everything? Yeah, I want everything. You know, I want to eat. I want to eat three meals a day. I want to live indoors. I'm just, you know, I'm a really fussy guy. Let's uh, let's go over and talk to Barbara in Bangor, Maine, 2006 Toyota. Barbara, welcome to the car doctor. We're hungry, but we're working hard today. What can I do for you? Hi. Um, this is kind of tagging on to you um, to your report last week when you mentioned about the oil problem uh, with the RAV4s. Right. Uh, I purchased um, a RAV4 2006 uh, Limited uh, 720, and um, it's kind of a saga. I'm trying to, I want to be sure I give you all the info. Yeah, take your time. Um, take, a, take a deep breath. It's okay. Okay. It has, uh, it had 150,387 miles on it. And the Carfax report said that it was serviced uh, at 145,890 miles. And I'm thinking later, I said, that's about 9,000 miles ago, unless they did something at the dealership and didn't record it on Carfax. Um, The sticker, when I purchased it, said it passed inspection, and the next oil change was due 150,000. Well, the next part of the saga... Um, a couple weeks after I purchased it, the flickering light went on, and so I thought, well, maybe the mechanic forgot to set something or so, because it said 150000 well, so we're at about 5000 To make a long story short, I took uh, disregard the flickering light for a little bit, and then the third week, I took it in, and um, the, my, my mechanic that I usually go to, he said, you don't have any oil. He Uh-oh. said, you're down four, four and a half quarts. Uh-oh. You have like about two tablespoons of oil. So let me ask well, you this. What's, your, what's yeah. your recourse with the place that you bought it from? Well, my thought is <laughs> they are aware of the problem. I was going to finish the rest of the saga, and then and I'm thinking I'm really thinking of taking the car back. Um. <laughs> It, the guy seems really, uh, the sales manager seems very agreeable. I mean, not, not agreeable to exchange at point, but he's been getting my letters and my feedback. Um, the next day after after they replaced the four and a half quarts of oil, I had a coupon from AAA to take it in for an alignment. I thought I'll use that since I have the car. The car uh, tires had just been rotated. And the AAA mechanic said, yeah, we got a problem here. He said, you've got a, a hole in the right rear rocker panel, a large hole, and this car should never pass inspection. I thought, oh, this is good. Now I've got oil, rocker panel. So um, a couple of days later, I took it down to the dealership, 
and they repaired the rusted large hole and they repaired the other side on the right on the left rear but the the um the sales manager said the mechanic said that it was put on the lift wrong and i thought well question about that rust is rust right so <laughs> so what's your um, so listen I, I don't want to cut you short barb but the clock's going to take yeah. us your question okay. to me about the oil consumption is what um well, he ordered the rings. He said, but it's been a month. This Friday will be a month since I've been waiting for any rings. He said that, that Toyota does have a problem. Yep. He gave me two quarts of oil. And my thought is, because it's, it's always been low when I've taken it in the last couple of weeks, my my thought is, and he knows how I feel, I, I'd like to exchange the car. Okay. So here's the here, here well yep. here's the deal. Um, yeah, Toyota has a problem. I mean, the only other thing that causes oil consumption on Rav fours is a is a PCV valve issue or a PC valve a breather system issue. But if Toyota's identified it as rings, then I can safely assume maybe that they've checked the PCV the crankcase ventilation system to make sure it's working. That being said, I probably hear this story half a dozen times a week about people waiting for Toyotas with can't get pistons, can't get rings, can't get parts, because so many of them are on this recall oil, well, not recall, but this oil consumption issue that they're having. So from my seat here, if you can get out of this car, because I think this is your question, should you get out of this car? Is that a fair? fair yeah. 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 Um, if you can get out of this car and find something comparable that doesn't you know, dent your budget, now's the moment. What bothers me the most about everything you said to me is that the car had an oil change sticker on it that it was serviced at about 145. The next sticker was 150. That hadn't been done, and the car has 159, I think you said, or 155. Oh, it had it had 150 when I bought it, and it it didn't. It said that the next oil change was due 155. Right. But I didn't know if there, any change had been made in between that because right. it, it, as it was, it wasn't reported. Right. So it, it sounds to me like this might be a good car to get out of. Um, one yeah. thing going forward, make sure you get, you know, that they're going to do rings and any as far as the exchange, make sure you get it in writing so that you're not standing there waiting three months from now and then all of a sudden they say, what rings? We don't know anything about it. Start to put things in writing between yourselves and you'll be much better off in the long run. Good luck to you, Barbara. Hey, Rich Dwyer, k is coming up next. Don't go away. Ron Nini and the car doctor. You know, there's an awful lot going on in the automotive world, and there's companies changing in terms of products, but there are companies that are changing product in the sense of acquiring other companies, and I call it expanding technologies, and they're, 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 they're so big, and their product is so good, and their processes are so good that they're going to extend this out to other brands, and we're seeing it happen to one of the car doctor's favorites, K&N, and we thought we would talk with Rich Dwyer, our good friend over at K&N, about what's going on over there, and uh, we've got him with us here this afternoon. Rich, welcome back to The Car Doctor, sir. Hey, good afternoon, Ron. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. It's uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great afternoon to be sitting here doing radio, talking to everybody. Um, oh, it is. It's great here in California, hot, you know. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, and I It'd be see, nice if we had a little rain, but we don't have that. I, I see on Facebook with that little MG midget of yours, that, that, that thing <laughs> little scooches around. Naturally, I'm sure that has a K&N filter on it. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. You bet it does. Oh. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. K&N has been busy lately. You guys are acquiring a bunch of different companies the past couple of years. And I wanted to talk about that because I've gotten some questions about, you know, why and, you know, what's exactly K&N's take on that. So, you know, tell me, tell the listeners, what advantages does K&N actually get by purchasing companies with similar products? Well, and, and acquiring these companies, what we what we what we are able to do is we're able to you know buy the company, bring it into K and N with the purchasing power, the advertising, everything that K and N does and does very very well. We're able to grow that company, and each one of these companies, uh, Air Raid recently, Spectre a few years ago and AEM about six years ago, um, we will bring them in. They all had a very loyal following, a very loyal customer base. And so we bring them in, and now we're able to invest in the companies through our own outlets. So we have more outlets for the product. We we build parts very well at K&N. We have a very modern facility. We're, I think, right around a little over 600,000 square feet under roof right now. Oh, yeah, you have, and you're all ISO 9000. Um, we're heading that direction. Yeah. We're not there yet, but that is what we're doing, and that's going to aid these companies also. Yeah, and you can that's, see that because I've taken the virtual tour at the website, kinginfilters.com, and it's, 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 it's like a hospital. Uh, you know, it's really, it's it's really, really impressive what you've got going we're on there. Very proud of it. We're we're very proud of it. And when Google decided to do that virtual tour, that that was really cool. A good way to get the visibility out there so people can see what KNN really is. Are you guys after specific technology, Rich? Are there specific technology gains or manufacturing benefits by buying these other companies with like products? Well, not necessarily uh, as relates to manufacturing because, as you well know, K&N, we design our own machines. We design our own tooling. We, you know, we, we very vertically integrated. But what we're able to do with these companies, and we've retained a lot of their engineering personnel and people that were involved in designing the products under their previous ownership, we're able to bring them in, and each one of them had their own way of approaching an application on a vehicle or something. And you can see that, um, the K&N intake kits that we make for, let's say, a Chevy Silverado, Air Raids, their approach was different, AEMs is different, and Spectres is different. And by bringing in those people, I mean, it's, it's different eyes looking at the same problem and coming up with different solutions. And that really, that really adds a lot of strength to your uh, design and engineering groups when you have that. So do you think the brands are going to stay the brands? I mean, K&N's planning to keep those brands as they are, or are you going to integrate them everything into the K&N line and make everything one? Oh, no, no, no. We're, Air Raid will always be Air Raid. AEM will be AEM. Spectre will be Spectre. And K&N will be K&N. And they will all retain that uh, logo, the design. That, so the products will always look, have that same unique attraction to the consumer that they always did. You know, we wouldn't want to lose that right. because that's that's what people would expect us to do because that's happened so often in the business. You buy your competitor, fold your competitor, and then you, you hope that they all come to you. 
No, we want to retain that loyalty, and we want to grow that loyalty. So you're sort you of you're, you're sort of competing with yourselves here, right? I mean, you, you look at the quality, fit, finish, respecter, air raid, and AEM, and it's all so good. It's you know this is kind of like playing poker with yourself. How do you how do you raise your hand and how do you out out outdraw the other guy? It's got to make well, some because, interesting sales meetings. Um, but you know what? If you think about it, when you own those companies, does it really bother? Does it really matter if Ron and Anian goes out and buys an Air Raid product, or or buys a K and N product, or buys a Spectre product, or buys an AEM product? It doesn't really matter because it just the money goes in a in a different pocket in the same pair of pants, so right. to speak. Right. And and so that is by growing that loyalty to Air Raid. It, it just brings in revenue to us, you know, and, and what we can do then is we make products like the oil filters and things like that, all the different products that we offer by bringing them into the fold and as they interact with us, we can introduce them to products from our other divisions at the same time. Right. You so, know, it, it's, you know, if you, if you, if we would have bought Air Raid and folded it up and dumped it, you know where would the consumer you know where would the consumer go he might come to you he might not you know so by by doing that we retain that that group that pool of customers that are so very loyal and i guess and i guess the other perk is if if any one of those companies isn't already they are now K&N quality level K&N practical application K&N they're they're K&N they're fathered by K&N so to speak so it's going to become <laughs> K&N quality design Right, and so they will. You'll see a a better. Uh, you'll see a, an increase in the consistency of the quality of the product. The products will develop quicker because you know K&N's got a lot of power. It's a big company, so we can develop product quicker. We can do better advertising. We can introduce uh, the different brands in in uh, outlets that maybe they weren't in before. You know, what? K&N's worldwide. Right. I mean, all over the world. So now, Air Raid or AEM, which might have real strong local market, but it gets weaker as you go into other areas. They may not have been strong in Canada, may not have been strong in South America. Well, now they will be because they're all part of K&N now. Are they, are they providing different coverage, Rich? Might, might somebody find an air intake system at Spectre or Air Raid that they may not find at K&N or vice versa? What they will find is not necessarily, I mean, very few cases where they will have an application that we don't, but they will see the product looking differently. Like if you go on knfilters.com and you plug in your vehicle on, you know, on that web page, what will come up is all the products that K&N makes for that vehicle, be it Air Raid or, or, or our other brands, it's going to get more and more towards that. And so they'll be able to see the differences, you know. So they might they they might be looking for a K&N intake for their kit, and then they'll go, wait a second, I really like that that air rig kit a little bit more, but I really like the design of that heat shield. Right. Or the I'm look, or the one. finish, or the it's, exactly. it's different, right? Gotcha. Exactly. Gotcha. Exactly. Um, last two questions. Uh, uh-huh. uh, warranty, because I know K&N's got a great warranty. How do the other brand warranties compare? Well, yeah, like you say, around boy, K&N's just got this like platinum card warranty system. Um, the other brands, AEM has a, a lifetime warranty on its uh, uh, intakes and filters. Air Raid, the air filters by themselves, those are, are guaranteed for life. 
the intakes and all the other products that, that Air Raid offers are uh, for one year from date of purchase, and Spectre is 90 days uh, from date of purchase. This is the, the warranty programs that they've always had, and we're retaining that. Right. But my group, which is warranty, any problems that come up with the product come through us. And as you know, I mean, we pamper customers. Oh, know? yeah. It, oh, absolutely. It doesn't matter who, what brand it is. We, we pamper the heck out of them. Listen, three months ago, somebody had a K&N problem. I'll tell you the story real quick, and then we're going to go. Uh, and I said, listen, I gave him your number and extension. And Great. he called you. He spoke to you. And he called me back. And you resolved it in 24 hours. You sent him out another filter, and he's sending you your, his, and you, know, right. you took care of him. It wasn't even a question. He was really impressed. The guy had a Ford Explorer. So, uh, oh, great. Um, just, just so, you, you know, you, you, you are right. Your, your warranty is second to none. Um, I, I know there's more information at knfilters.com, Rich, before the clock grabs me. Um, and there's links there, I guess, to the other uh, brands, and Spectre, Air Raid, and AEM. Right. Yes, okay. there are. Okay. Yep. Real, real quick, do OEMs? install Spectre Aerator AEM products? Well, that's a good question. You know, K&N does, you know, we have OE contracts. Uh, AEM and Air Raid, those both also have uh, OE contracts. So the only one that doesn't is Spectre. But, right. uh, yeah, the, the K&N, AEM, and uh, Air Raid, all three of us, uh, we, we have OE contracts that we that we work with mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Yeah. K&N has a, quite an extensive group of them, actually. There you go. You know what? You guys are always innovating. You guys are always changing the marketplace. Rich, I'm happy to have you as one of my primary sponsors, and I want to thank you guys for all the work uh, that you do. You make my life easier. Uh, we're, we're proud to be a part of... Uh, Part of being a part of you, Ron. I mean, it's it's great. I mean, we're real proud of that. You guys do a great job. It's a wonderful relationship. Well, I'll tell you what, you guys make it easy because you make such good stuff. <laughs> you know, and all this because 30-something years ago I put a K&N filter on my car, but that's a story for another day. Rich, I got to go. The clock's going to grab me. story that we hear. Do yeah, that. I can imagine. Yep. I can imagine. The clock's going to take me, sir. Let me let me pull over and take the pause. Rich Dwyer, K&N Filters. More information at knfilters.com. We'll say goodbye to him. I'm Ron Annie and the Car Doctor. I'll be back. Back right after this. talk to you in our next segment here about what makes a good repair shop because it's not something that just happened overnight what do i mean hello and welcome by the way ron and annie and the car doctor thanks for coming back 2001 lexus rolled into a repair shop on the other side of town from the shop this week and it was in for normal service it needed maintenance timing belt oil change a couple of their odds and ends and when they got done the vehicle stability control light was on. And it turns out, long story short, that the yaw sensor, which way the car, the nose is up or down, back is up or down, yaw, okay, position, lateral, horizontal position. Uh, There's a yaw sensor on a 2001 Lexus LS430 for stability control, and it went out of calibration. It had to be reset. The shop had purchased a snap-on scan tool, 
their top-of-the-line scan tool. Didn't do it. Doesn't have the ability to reset your sensor. And in researching it, I found that you could jumper two pins in the OBD2 connector. And, you know, this type of method when you're trying to repair something is akin to, you know, jumper the wires, rub your belly, pat your head, stand on one foot, hope which way the wind's blowing, and maybe the light goes out. There's nothing like having a scan tool that actually works. Same shop also worked on a 2011 Audi uh, the week before, and they had to do an oil light reset, and they couldn't do it with their snap-on either. And I said to the owner, uh, as we talk, and we're we're not competitors, we're both just trying to make a living, um, you know, you've got to get more than one scan tool, and he's getting acclimated to this. He realizes this, and, uh, you know, when he brought it to me, I said, I don't know, I'm sure there's 18 scan tools here. I'm sure there's something that will work on this. And I actually had factory tool, dealer-level tool for that Lexus Toyota that I knew would do it. But I was curious to see what aftermarket tools would do it. Out of all the scan tools I had, the launch, the launch tools, you hear me talk about launch? Here's another reason to talk about launch again. Um, and this is what I think I like about launch so much is that their stuff just flat-out works. And it was a third the price of the snap-on. And as a professional tool, the Launch X431 and the Pad 2. They have another one out, the Pad 2, their Android-based system. Um, they work. And I guess the point of this is short little segment is that a repair shop is only as good as their scan tool today. And one of the questions I want you to ask your next mechanic when you're interviewing them, what kind of scan tool do you have? And also, how many scan tools do you have? And what's its capability? Because if they can't talk to your car and deal with it on an electronic level, they really can't service it somewhere along the way. There's going to be a bump in the road. Just thinking out loud. 855-560-9900. By the way, more information at launchtechusa.com. I'm sorry, 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's back right after this. Welcome back. We're on the name of the car doctor. We're going to try and do this real quick. Let's go over and talk to Bernie in Maine, 2002 Dodge Dakota that cuts out. Bernie, how can I help you? Hey, hi. Well, I got a question. Uh, keep it a junket. Um, but the, the car, I think we talked about, uh, if the air conditioning's on, uh, you turn on the headlights, the wipers go on. Um, if you shut off uh, the lights uh, and the air is turned off, the, the wipers don't go on. Uh, I got all kinds of problems. It goes around a right hand turn and it, it, it dies. Well, let's fix, um, let's let's fix that first, Bernie. Um, because the headlight switch I've seen before. I've seen uh, issues with uh, negative battery cables both at the block and the battery when they're dirty. The headlight switch makes the electrical system do some funny things, and it might be a problem with the headlight switch itself. But let's talk about the dying on right-hand turn problem first. When it, when it, it is it only on right-hand turns, or is it when you turn the wheel to the right? Uh, you know, that's a good question. Uh, it's not happening all the time. That's the problem. It's very intermittent. And spitting out, um, spitting out any fault, spitting out any fault codes. Uh, no codes whatsoever. The pressure, no fuel pressure, is normal. And, okay. When uh, it when uh, it when it dies, does it restart right away? Yes, it does. Right away. Yep. 
Um, and then the dies again. <laughs> ask your mechanic to take a look at and consider problems with the crank position sensor. If he taps on it, does it die? Can he get it to cut out that way? And possibly maybe we could wire in a 194 bulb to the injectors and take a look at the injectors. Are they being pulsed properly? Conversation for another day. I'm sorry, Bernie. The clock's going to grab me. I'm running in the car, doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. And everyone-